Hey guys, welcome to the Rare Earth Podcast. My name is Manoj, an engineer by qualification, a banker by profession, and a podcaster by passion. My goal is to really bring people who have actually charted the unconventional path, explore their learnings, and share that with you. I'm super excited to have you join me on this show. And now, let's get the show started. Welcome to the season two of episode number 1283 of the Rattle Podcast. <laughs> Just kidding, guys. Welcome to season two, and this is our first ever episode. We completed 12 in our past season. So, super excited to have this launch right now. My guest today is Dr. Siddharth Warrior. He's a neurologist, and he has been in this line of work for almost 10 years. That is almost a decade. And his speciality, apart from his core job, which is being a doctor, is he's a very very impressive youtuber in his youtube channel which has got a tagline neuroscience is everything he really explores a wide-ranging topic speaking about science mental health human behavior and neuroscience of everything in fact he's got a very interesting lineup of guests who have featured in his show and it's actually pretty impressive you must go check it out and he also does a lot of instagram live he is very active on twitter he's a poet so this is the man with varied interest and you will really discover more in this episode. So in this conversation, we actually go quite deep. You know, it's actually an information dense episode and I really wanted to split it into two because it had so much content, uh, but I'm going to keep it as a single episode. I'm sure you will have a blast just like the way I had without taking much time. Let's straight dive into this conversation with this amazing man, Dr. Siddharth Warrior. So welcome, Sid. Welcome to the Rare Earth Podcast. You've been somebody who I stumbled upon through Prakar's uh, content. I think that was one of the trifecta YouTube video that you guys were involved in. And that's when I actually got uh, a little exposure to you and uh, really liked the way you explain things and how you put across your ideas. So I started going, doing a little bit of binge watching of your stuff. And then I got a little confused. Are you the poet or are you the <laughs> neurologist or the content creator? Yeah. My channel is designed to confuse people like that. <laughs> yeah. So it's a really good brain exercise. Yeah. So the title of my channel was uh, that neuroscience is everything. Right. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to live up to that tagline. And not bad. You're doing a tremendously good job there. <laughs> so. <laughs> so welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So I, in fact, I was uh, speaking to one of my friends much before the recording, and this was like two, three days back. And I said, Hey, you know what? I'm getting a neurologist to come into my show. And then she was very excited. She said, Hey, that's amazing. Mira number, my date of birth is like uh, 22 and my husband's is 11. So please check the compatibility. I said, no, neurologist, neurologist. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's an often confused uh, subject. <laughs> right, numerology right. and neurology. <laughs> so I, I wonder, do you have any expertise in that field too? In numerology, absolutely not. I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> so when we say a neurologist, what exactly does a neurologist do? So I'm a doctor, essentially. I'm uh, somebody right. who's done MBBS and then MD and then DM medicine in uh, neurology. So that's super specialization. And uh, mm. my core area is the brain. So neurology is all about the brain, the spinal cord, the nerves, the muscles. So that part of the human body comes under my speciality. So anytime anybody has any problem in this particular aspect of the human body, they come to me. 
wonderful yeah. <laughs> and typically a neurologist what's your typical day look like so when you i think now to of course we have the covid going on things have become remote but otherwise what is a typical day look like for you so my days have actually not changed much because of covid because usually doctors have pretty much the same routine the only thing is that apart from getting out of the house visiting hospitals seeing patients who are admitted seeing opds and uh, for surgeons attending operation theaters all of this is still going on for most doctors the only thing that is extra is that we've also added online consultation which mm-hmm. was not the case so much before but now that right. has become a significant part of the day so every day i spend a couple of hours doing online consultation in the mornings and then i leave mm-hmm. the house or i have a usual round of hospitals where people are admitted so i have to go and check up on them and then i have my opd and some days i get home by 5 some days i get home by 9 depending on whether i have evening opd or not then so okay. the days i do get home early i spend a little bit of time relaxing and then i start on my second job which is <laughs> uh, which is started since the last one is online content creation yeah sitar i think you have put in tremendous amount of content in the last one year if i look at the youtube content that you have produced the different kinds of people that you have interviewed was it a sheer outcome of boredom or you had so much time or this was something you were passionate about or you discovered your passion during this covid times uh, what's the story uh, so the story was uh, i was always interested in neuroscience even before i had got into neurology i always knew that i'm interested in the brain i wanted to learn all about it and the reason was i wanted to understand human behavior through neuroscience understand psychology through neuroscience so that was always there and i have been reading up and i've been collecting all this information for the last 3 years with the hope of one day writing a book uh-huh. which is how i think a lot of ideas start uh-huh. and then you realize that hey it's not 1960s anymore and there are many other ways of getting your information out there and so when i discovered youtube content creation when i discovered how to make videos it was a whole new world uh-huh. and i really got into it Yeah I I think when I look at the way you are actually even having these YouTube lives and different forums or different platforms that you are engaging in you seem technically also very equipped like you you seem to understand the camera light mic you seem to be using all that to your advantage which I'm really surprised somebody from a like a, a background like yours being a doctor and the creative aspect of you which has flourished so much uh, like i i do not like i cannot generalize it but i generally do not see doctors being on the creative side so much so how are you able to get that creative juices going well, for you you'd be amazed at actually how many doctors are creative uh, because i know from my time in mbbs and md there are a lot of doctors who excel in a lot of creative fields in music in arts and poetry mm. the thing is mm-hmm. that it's very easy to uh, get lost in the world of medicine and in the hospitals and uh, patient management and you can you would be forgiven for putting everything else on the back burner thinking mm. that hey this is not as important as my other work which is what a lot of doctors do actually and i'm trying to change that narrative i'm trying to speak to mbbs students or uh, tell them that it doesn't have to be this way because there's mm. no reason why engineering students are any more or less talented than medical it's just that your choice in your career should not affect your entire personality like that mm-hmm. so that being said i've always been interested in arts i used to sing i used to write poetry right from childhood i play the guitar uh, i'm basically a curious person so i i try my hand at whatever interests me at that time and i usually try and 
uh, not let things go once I pick it up. So I try to incorporate that in whatever next thing I do. So it just keeps mm. getting added up. And I'm, I love technology. Even in my free time, when I watch switch on YouTube, I'm usually watching some tech channel. Tech stuff. Yeah, just even if I never buy it, it's just fun to watch. So that's really interesting. Yeah, I think you you have put it to use in a very good way. Many people are unable to still figure out how to bring the content out there, and even if they're doing, they're not doing it in a way which is presentable. So you're doing uh, really good. So awesome. yeah, also it's it's now I feel like it is not so much an option anymore. Going mm-hmm. technology because uh, in today's world, being literate means being technically capable because this is the language that we use to communicate with each other. We can no longer say that, hey, I don't know how to switch on a Zoom call or I don't know how to send a mail because this is how human beings communicate with each other. So not being technically capable is as good as being illiterate. I think your ability to you know uh, quickly adapt to these changing times yeah. will tool you up for the times ahead. And you're currently based out of in Mumbai, yes. right? So are you originally from Mumbai or, or I am. Where, where were you born? What's your backstory? I am born and brought up in Mumbai and I've been in Mumbai my whole life, although I'm my ancestors are from Kerala, so my grandparents mm. are from Kerala, and I'm a Malayali, basically. Okay. All my summer vacations <laughs> you're talking, were in Kerala. You're, you're talking to another Malayali. Oh, so. yeah. <laughs> Good, to, <laughs> Good to know. So I'm from Trishul, and uh, I, I love that place. It's a great place mm. to just go and forget all about the city for a while. So, so tell me about your parents. So uh, they were uh, like working in Mumbai for a long time. Yeah. What's the story? So my dad's a doctor. Mm-hmm. We have a hospital in uh, north of Bombay. It's in a place called Nalasopara. So that's uh, beyond horribly. I don't know. Where are you from? Do you, are you familiar with Bombay? I, I know I've visited a couple of times mm-hmm. there, but I'm originally from Bangalore. So. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, so we have a hospital there and I still visit there as a consultant. And because of, uh, and my mom is a music teacher. So that's, that partly explains ah. the whole music background. Oh, okay. Interesting. Okay. okay. So she teaches Carnatic music. Basically grew up learning about. So now that answers a burning question I had in my mind. Okay. And are you the only son or you have siblings? I have a younger brother. He's an engineer and uh, he's much more into music than I am. Really? He's, okay. So uh, yeah, yeah, he's into music creation and uh, he, he actually started teaching music in this lockdown, which is, oh. it's interesting how so, the lockdown has just brought out everybody's secret wishes <laughs> <laughs> totally like uh, for me also the the podcast journey started during the lockdown actually. Oh, I see. and uh, what do you do yeah, otherwise so, you know uh, i'm a banker like that's my full-time job that's my day job wow. and this is my passion project so yeah, yeah i love it it's, it's like we have uh, the, the the lockdown has just turned everybody into superheroes with a day job and a night job <laughs> yeah i think suddenly you realize you're not commuting as much yeah. and you have that window of time where you could explore some other yeah. avenues and uh, you have a safe space to really experiment things so yeah it was it, it's really incredible how having some time and uh, having some space what it can do totally yeah, yeah. i i think uh, you know my mom was telling since last year that you know this was the first time she's seeing everybody at home uh, we're eating all three times meal <laughs> And uh, we are having those moments with family. Yeah. So she said, COVID is really good. And I'm so happy. Yeah. So we're not discarding or discounting what's happening in the world. But I think there are some good things around this whole season of, yeah. uh, you know, life for people, yeah. actually. Absolutely. And of course, it's very easy to just focus on the negative because that is mm. what we see all around. But I don't yeah. think there's yeah. anything wrong in acknowledging that some things do work out for the best. And uh, of course, yeah. we have to take care. And of course, I hope that the pandemic ends very quickly. But it's great to see so many people having 
not just survived but actually thrived in this situation i think it's right. speaks a lot for the human capacity to evolve and so coming back to your growing up here is it because your dad is a, a doctor that you had a strong influence of pursuing that line of work or uh, did you have a a different inclination and this was like parents pressure uh, so there was no parental pressure as such i was always interested in science so the earliest hmm. memory i have of uh, this realization okay what i want to do is to be a scientist and it was okay. years later when i realized that there's actually no such thing as a scientist if you think about it nobody's going around saying i'm a scientist it's always you are somebody who learns one particular science so you can be a physicist or an astrophysicist hmm. or a geologist oh. but what is a scientist there's no such thing anymore <laughs> it's hmm. just a concept that people grow up with and within science i had all the options in the world um, hmm. i realized that i liked biology the most so the choices came about very naturally there was i don't remember any particular point where i was i had to sit back and think of exactly what i want to do because it just seemed very natural mm. of course i like science of course i like biology of course i like medicine and then of course i like neurology so it was a it was like a one thing led to another kind of story so it it was a natural transition towards that direction absolutely okay. the only time when i felt conflicted was uh, when i was 16 and i really wanted to start a musical band oh, and okay. uh, <laughs> and i remember thinking about uh, oh what should i call my band what what song should i write and i remember writing lyrics and all that and then 12 started happened and i had to i remember i had to take a call should i spend mm. more time for my band or should i spend more time studying <laughs> and thankfully oh. i i grew up and <laughs> said to myself don't be an idiot <laughs> because it wasn't so, for me a lot of people would have done a great job at it but it wasn't for me in in, in the band what role would you play there were you the singer yeah, or were so you i was the lyricist and the singer okay if i could i would have loved to be the second guitarist like the accompanying guitarist mm. but i didn't want right. to be the lead guitarist okay yeah And so, when did you start writing poems and stuff like that? Very uh, young. You had a very, very young. young. Okay. So I think I wrote. I was writing poetry when I was uh, four or five years old. But mm. then, of course, that kind of poetry is not worth mentioning because you're just <laughs> as a four-year-old, you're super excited that rat rhymes with cat. Correct. And uh, <laughs> you can't believe that you know nobody's thought of this before, and you're the biggest genius in the world. <laughs> you you'll be surprised to learn that some of us who have zero inclination towards poetry and having any creativity we think if we can rhyme some things we are pretty happy yeah. <laughs> so so yeah so, i used to i used to love poetry writing and i used to love finding patterns between words and figuring out how you can uh, fit in how mm, how can you say something in a different way and, uh, mm, and then i discovered mm. the world of rap songs i discovered songs in general and that was mm. just poetry plus because mm. you add this whole level of music to it and then i discovered rap which is poetry at another level if you really think about it so nobody plays with words to the extent that rap does in fact the only other genre that really plays with words that much is ghazal really it's very interesting how they seem to be at the opposite ends of the spectrum right but yeah ghazals and rap have a lot in common in the way they arrange their structures and the way they flow so i find that oh. very fascinating i thought the volume of words that you need to come up with in a rap is more denser compared to maybe a ghazal there is uh, but the basic concept of in a particular rhythm 
Mm. You need to fit in so many words, and mm. in the end, it's it's not just about rhyming the last one word. Mm. If a lot of the best rappers will rhyme the last three or four words, they will go for the sound of it, mm-hmm. which is exactly what guzzles do. I don't know if you're familiar with guzzles, but then the last word has to be the same, and the second last words have to. Okay. So I found that aspect very interesting that uh, you can have so many ways of. structuring a poem mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah and w- when you were uh, writing these was what language was that english always or english. you had always english always yeah. english it's okay. a dream of mine to write in hindi one day uh, yeah. but so far it remains a dream you, you you must have had a strong hindi influence being in mumbai i think uh, you yeah. it, it wouldn't be like it would be it won't be difficult for you though right yeah i can communicate in hindi mm. that's an interesting thing about poetry that it, it's not just about knowing the language can you play with the language ah oh, right so right poetry yeah. requires a much stronger level of control over language than prose does i really have a love for rap songs actually mm-hmm. so i enjoy if an artist is able to really bring that spirit and is able to churn out words like that and i do not know all these artists from the rap world but when i was watching gully boy mm-hmm. the very effort the actor put in to perform mm-hmm. i i really feel that's amazing if he can actually yep practice it and do the rendition of the whole thing it's not a easy act sorry right? yeah sorry yeah <laughs> so that's uh, interesting because uh, the indian rap scene is really booming right now. it's hmm, in the hmm. last 5 to 6 years it's it's just skyrocketed and hopefully it yeah. will not stop we need to just keep crossing boundaries I I saw your attempt to with Eminem and you were introducing some <laughs> medical <laughs> symptoms. That <laughs> yeah, that was just uh, me playing around basically. That, that was fun. That was fun. I think you should do you know produce such short content and release it out there. People yeah. will pay attention to. I think it's a fun way to learn. Absolutely, that, that's good. Yeah. yeah. So I've listed some questions so that I don't miss the chain of thoughts. So what what was your first job like? So did you join your dad's hospital or did you pursue something different? Two thousand nineteen, I was pursuing my super speciality. Okay. So that was uh, neurology, and then I spent a few months working in a government hospital. It was part of my bond. So doctors have something oh, okay. called bond where after their residency they have to work for the government for a few mm. months to a year. So I was mm. finishing that off, and yes, so for the last one and a half years I've been in private practice. So I've been a consultant neurologist. Okay, so so tell me about your that first job. How how was it? Was it so we had this idea when by the time we graduate we go for our first job something very special the day one is going to be like exciting something like that so what was your day one like <laughs> so my first job was uh, not very new from what i've been doing before because mm-hmm. it is just doing the same thing which is uh, sitting in front of a patient and making them better mm-hmm. but the scene was different the place where i was doing it was different and for the first time in my life i was able to charge the patient something and i would get that money and <laughs> right. not the hospital which is which is which was a new part to be honest because everything else is exactly the same i've been seeing mm-hmm. i've been treating patients for the last 9 years ever since i got into md medicine you do get into that whole role of treating mm-hmm. patients so your mm-hmm. first job actually feels no different it's in fact mm-hmm. that's how the system is designed because you don't want a doctor to feel like they're doing something new that's dangerous yes, okay <laughs> medicine is the one place where you want the doctor to be have to have done this so many times that they are bored of it 
That, that that's so true. Yeah, I think the doctor we we would prefer a doctor who's bored yeah. because he's seen that enough times rather than somebody who's like, okay. What is this? Oh, <laughs> imagine the differences between professions, right? It's fascinating. Yeah. Uh, what you guys, what we think is boring, is a very important thing that we would aspire for in a doctor. Yeah. So boring means that uh, they have seen that thing so many times that it no longer requires their full attention, which is actually a great thing. I think, you know, the mark of a, a genius or a, a specialist would be like, he can just ask two or three questions and he can really yeah. uh, decipher or conclude what that actual issue is. And that is, that is something that you guys build over a period of time. Okay. And that's also the reason why super specialization exists because uh, mm. the world of medicine has now become so broad that mm. uh, one person cannot uh, have seen all the cases in all the specialties enough number of times to be bored of him, right? Mm-hmm. So, because mm-hmm. now for the last four and a half years, I've been seeing only neurology patients. Mm. All the cases in neurology are now seem are now seeming familiar to me. Mm. Whereas mm. these same cases seven years ago, when I was doing my MD medicine, would have seemed very new and exciting. Right. So the whole purpose mm. is to get over your excitement. <laughs> And now there is a pattern which starts emerging, which you notice, this exactly. must be the reason, things like exactly. that. Okay. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay. Did, did you have any heroes or role models when you were growing up? Like, hmm. I got to become somebody like this guy or this person, something like that you oh, had when you were growing up? Oh, so couple of, it, it was in, it was different in different fields. So right. in the world of poetry, when I was growing up, I really liked uh, <laughs> for a weird reason, Edgar Allan Poe. Okay, I wouldn't know that, but who's that? Okay, so he's uh, he, he was a very famous okay. author and poet. Mm-hmm. I liked his work. I liked his poems. Uh, I liked the way he would uh, approach really dark topics. He would talk about death, he would talk about loneliness. But he would talk about it from a sense of detachment. And I just... I liked how he used to write, basically. Uh, this was, how old were you then? Oh, I was probably around 14, 15. Okay, okay. Yeah. And uh, there's a mathematician philosopher called as Bertrand Russell. Hmm. Uh, I liked him a lot because I, that was the time when I started thinking about binaries. About how hmm. you, we always try to define one person by one job. I knew you as a podcaster. And now I know you as a banker. So now it's great because now I have a dual version of you, hmm. which is how most people are. They are at least two things or more. But we tend to go through life trying to put everybody into one box because it's just easier. Right. right? Because right. Uh, the more number of variables we have to carry around, the more harder it is to calculate everything. Hmm. Uh, but it's also annoying to be boxed in as one thing. Hmm. Right? So... I liked Bertrand Russell because he was a mathematician, a philosopher, and uh, he would try to combine the two. He would talk about a lot about philosophy from the perspective of a scientist. If you notice earlier on, this was very common. People, a lot of people were more things. At least the, the people who have reached the top of their... So a philosopher mm. could very well be a, like a painter, for example. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I liked that idea. And in the world of medicine, there's uh, a doctor named Oliver Sacks. Okay. And he's a neurologist and he's an author. And uh, I really liked him and I liked his books. I've read, I've heard his podcast, I've heard his interviews. And 
that mm-hmm. is always somebody that I would, I would look up to think that oh man one day if I could write like that talk like that I'll be pretty sweet how you got exposed to these resources was it your own self study or somebody else my own self study i think uh, now in the world of the internet and google and wikipedia we right. can be pretty much uh, exposed to whatever we want hmm. so if you're curious about it you will be exposed to it. yeah i think yeah if if you are really curious and you know how to ask the right questions yeah. i think there are enough resources to direct you to that exactly. place, right and if you're curious enough uh, and you don't stop searching you keep on mm-hmm. looking you will find a lot of very amazing things mm-hmm. these initial heroes of yours they kept changing as you evolved and i mean as you you know grew in your life and yeah. uh, i think the the initial poet and the current uh, poets have changed yeah and... so poetry a lot of, i've never outgrown them but i kept discovering new people mm, mm. so i mean i discovered dorothy parker discovered vikram state by go anywhere else in india itself mm. although he is in america now but then or just the way he used to write i'm a huge fan of this mm. <laughs> and oh, eminem happened <laughs> uh, which is i think a lot of people's first entry into rap at least from india right. and then i got into a lot of other art Yeah, then stand-up comedy happened. So I stand-up comedy scene. I think uh, it it got a, a lot of uh, visibility in the recent years compared to uh, right. maybe seven eight years ago. I think in the recent years, yeah. you see a lot of emerging artists, and the competition is being really intense. Yeah, so. yeah, and also stand-up comedy is. It's I don't know. Society has to reach a particular level before they can appreciate stand-up comedy, because the. Mm. Uh, in general humor is a more evolved mm. uh, reaction mm. because if you are easily offended or if you can't see the joke or if you are not in a position to see the joke you will not enjoy stand up comedy mm-hmm. so which is why i think hierarchy pyramid uh, stand up comedy goes pretty high up in the <laughs> <laughs> the list boy you did you attempt stand up comedy one time yeah. i i think i saw a thumbnail view of you in front of a mic somewhere it it had a look of a stand up though so yeah, i was yeah. thinking that was spoken word poetry that was a poetry slam somewhere I, uh, i used to okay, perform poetry okay. a lot i used to there is a literature festival called kala goda i don't know if you've heard okay. of it but uh, every year it happens in bombay so i used to okay. perform there and i would i used to host literature events in whichever city i live So I I, yeah. I would really enjoy that. I, I've seen the earlier versions of you, and you had a very formal look, like you like, ekdam achha ladka, so you know. Ekdam, yeah, you know, I'm still like very... that. <laughs> you are, <laughs> but then now you are a you're a little more chilled out. There is a there is a very clear look of relaxed. Yeah. I'm fine. Yeah, and earlier you had to look proper, mm-hmm. if if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Abhi kya I've seen. You know, you are. This is me. It's one a.m. I am doing live. It could be any time. I'm just the way yeah. I am, and I'm producing my stuff. So, what has changed from the person then to now? That's an interesting observation. I think when you're growing up, because you are not very sure of who you are, whatever mm. bit you are sure of, you feel like uh, this is very precious, and I have to mm. protect it with all my life. Right. Nobody should question me. Nobody should judge me, and or I should not put myself up for questioning or judging. in general i feel like the older you grow and the more comfortable you become with your identity and who you are you it's not that you don't care but you are more comfortable with judgment mm. and all that because you know what it means and what it doesn't mean 
and it's not that if somebody says something it will make this whole edifice of identity that i've created crumble in one second which right. could happen you know to somebody younger it could have happened right. to me right. 10 to 15 years ago hmm. so that's just i think part of the natural evolution that everybody goes through and it's yeah. never completely done you are always evolving Absolutely, yeah. I think compared to the earlier times, now maybe if a youngster is starting up or something in the online space, or there are so many platforms, the number of eyeballs to you is like like tenfolds compared to what it was maybe ten years ago. Yeah. So the degree of judgment or the harshness that one can experience is quite high. I yeah. feel like if 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 somebody even writes a nasty comment on on your feed, yeah. then you will forget all the positivity. Yeah. The, pura everything is consumed in that negativity why this guy told me you know or yeah. remarked this way right yeah i i actually given there's a lot of thought about trolling and uh, i thought about it from both sides why do people troll and why does trolling affect you so much mm. Uh, mm. the truth is that it affects everyone nobody right. is uh, right. uh, immune, immune to that, to that. Uh, and the reason is that uh, it comes from a very primitive space in the brain because mm. uh, for the brain social validation is hugely important because uh, your tribe approving you is the one thing that keeps you from getting kicked out mm. and being thrown into the wild having to survive for yourself um, you will probably die in the hunter gatherer times if your tribe kicks you out you will die and so your brain gives a lot of importance to being accepted by the community mm. and so if one person also starts saying something bad about you it's a big alarm signal that goes on in your brain mm, because okay. what if this starts a fire what if this right. starts spreading what if this one person recruits 10 more people and all of them start chanting together kick him out or lock her up or whatever right this right, is right. that's the primitive part of your brain uh, going into overdrive in play yeah mm-hmm. and which is why you realize that uh, you could get 100 compliments and you wouldn't care about that as much as you would care about that one insult because right, those 100 right. compliments may not save your life but that one insult has a potential of ruining you hmm. right so you have to remind yourself that hey you're not in the jungle anymore nobody's kicking you out of any tribe <laughs> and yeah just till calm down it's a brain which is kicking in to uh, take you into a protective zone of sorts yeah. so that you are not an outcast from the tribe of sorts okay. and this knowledge is really helpful so when you say that with that with this distinction that this is the biology in action in in, in a sense mm-hmm. then you probably can distance yourself and see it but you think there are individuals in the world today you know who are very independent of what the world thinks of them yeah. they they are they are very independent thinkers they stand by strong convictions ki bhai this is who i am yeah. and this is my opinion yeah. right uh, how are they still operating in the world if if this biology is still in play so uh, whatever we say about biology we are always talking about it in terms of a gaussian curve so a gaussian curve is when you have a curve that starts off low and it reaches a peak and then it comes down so hmm. majority of the people will fall under that bell curve of what we consider hmm. as normal Right? Mm. and we consider it as normal because majority of the people fall under it so it's like right, a self right. self fulfilling prophecy and there will be people in the over outside of the 97th percentile on both mm. sides mm. in anything we can take mm. height 
So for example, if I say uh, a 25 year old man, what should his height be? And if I say, okay, the average height at this age will be five, 10, for example, if I just say that, then that means that the 510 line will have the maximum number of people. And there'll be lesser right. people at 58 and 512, lesser number of people at 56 and 62. And there will be some people who are less than four feet. There'll be some people who are more than seven feet. But they will be in the edges of just like us. So when I talk about how social validation is important, people don't like it when other people insult, there will always be some people who will not care at all. Mm. who are in the extreme and there'll be some people who care so much that is all that they think about mm -hmm. but majority of the people will have that sort of like how we are feeling and uh, that is something which can be changed over a period of time we could move from the the average to the, the extremes also over a period of our absolutely. life absolutely so that gaussian curve is not fixed and mm. so the story of the story of evolution is the story of how the gaussian curve is shifting in one direction so what oh, is okay, extreme okay, okay. at one point will become normal after a few no, years. Okay. And it becomes a new normal and then it creates a new set of extremes. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. 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 So we, we think of uh, human beings as this, as a single organism, but it's not. So we are spread out across emotions, across intelligence, across, you know, capacity to learn. Everybody will lie somewhere on that spectrum. Mm. And so for evolution to have, that's why evolution is so slow. Because we have to drag mm. 7 billion people in one direction. <laughs> and some people will be very fast and some people will be dragging behind. So that's just how it is. Uh, do you subscribe to that thinking that if a critical mass of any tribe does a certain behavior or activity, it automatically transitions to the entire species? Uh, so what is expected? Mm. So our behavior is basically directed by a couple of things. It is directed first and foremost by our own survival instincts. Hmm. Right. So if there is a fire and if there are 10 people in the room and if nine people don't run away, the chances are still high that you will run away. Right? That, that is a little mixed, right? Maybe chances are that I may stay back also. I'm seeing everybody staying put. Yeah. Uh, I say, it seems like this is the right choice to make because validation, social proof. Yeah, right? but that's the thing. That's what I'm saying. That when you're mm -hmm. talking of absolute self-preservation, mm -hmm. you tend to not really look at other people. Okay. Okay. It comes to only my survival right. of sorts, right? But you take it one step forward and you find everybody running away, which is in mm -hmm. keeping with your own response. But everybody running away to one exit. So suppose if you're in a room and there are mm. three exits and mm. everybody runs to one exit, the chances are that you will also go to that exit. Although logic right. says that you should probably head to one of the others because those are empty. Mm -hmm. Because everybody <laughs> is running towards one, here right. you will run towards the same one. Understood. Right? So that is how mob mentality works. That is what group mm. thinking is. And mm. so there'll be a stampede and people will be running over each other, all that. So at that time, you don't have your logical sense of, okay, let me look around. Let me see what is the right thing to do. No, none of that. So if you're caught up in that frenzy, you will just do what everybody's doing. And uh, that is second. Third is uh, what society expects you. So mm. social expectation is a huge driver for action. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So mm. the, a person who will be spitting on the road in India you take them 
to Europe. Yeah, he'll be the most cultured Absolutely, and well-behaved. Because you have that environment. Right, and right, right. even if you might spit once in a year's time, you will be unrecognizable because mm, social expectation right. plays a big role. Mm. But that's why. So if from tomorrow onwards, all of us suddenly decide that anybody who throws out a bottle from a railway train has to be stared at in shock. How could you do that? What did you do? How could right. you throw a plastic thing on the road? In one week, that will stop. Because we're creating that much pain to that experience yeah. of somebody doing that, yeah. right, for him. Right? So that that's fascinating. In that way, yes. Mm-hmm. So the critical mass theory mm-hmm. does work. So, which means if somebody were to make a behavioral change or a transformation in themselves, if they optimize their environments, change happens more uh, yes. easily compared to they're working on their will and oh, yeah. trying to make things. Hundred percent, right. So mm-hmm. one of the best ways of making change is to identify uh, the trigger points, the things that will mm-hmm. take you towards that change or the things that will take you away from that. Could you, could you give an example? What do you mean by trigger points? Like for example, mm-hmm. you want to eat healthy and work out. Mm-hmm. So the things that make you, the things that will take you towards eating healthy mm-hmm. and working out would be say, having only those foodstuffs in the house that you want to eat having your schedule written up nicely and taped on the wall, mm. maybe having photographs of people that you really admire who are super healthy and the ones that who inspire you, put mm. them on your wall so that you have those constant triggers that push you towards the direction and removing the triggers that take you away from it. So maybe not have chocolates in the house, not have biscuits in the house, eliminating it completely yeah. and making it easier for yourself. So. If you say, if you want to go for a run in the morning, instead of saying that, oh, I'll get up and run whenever I wake up, instead, mm. have an alarm that you've set for the specific purpose of running. Mm. And uh, have your shoes and your running socks and everything set up very easily. Mm-hmm. So there is minimal resistance for you to step out of that door. So we're minimizing the friction points yeah. between that act and the uh, the drive to do Correct. it. Right? And the friction is highest at the start. If if it mm. happens like uh, seven to eight times, it just gets easier and easier. And after a month, it will mm. become harder to stop. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. I say all these uh, things and I wish I could follow half. Isn't that amazing that all of us have so many uh, points of advice? Oh, yeah. Like, I think I'll have some so many interesting points to give it to the guy. Yeah. But yeah, you're, you're right. I think this all of us are guilty because... Uh, There's an interesting uh, reason for this, actually. Uh, because okay, yeah. Our, there Let's is actually that. two parts of our brain. One is the cortical part, which is the calm, reasoning, thinking part. And mm. the other is the primitive brain, which has the limbic system, the self-survival, the anger, the fear, the emotional mm. aspects. Mm. When I'm giving you advice, okay, so if you suppose you lost your job or you're in a you're in a relationship where you're not sure what to do and you're t- asking me about it, I am thinking about your problem with hundred percent of my cortical brain. Okay. I have no skin in the game, right, so my primitive right, brain right. doesn't kick in at all. So mm. I'll end up giving you really good advice because it's very logical and calm. And cool. mm. If it happens to me, mm. my primitive brain is in overdrive. <laughs> And it completely comes in the way of my cortical reason. It's actually not a bad idea to have somebody to give you advice. 
Hmm. And I think yeah, some kind of accountability with somebody you respect or yeah. you look up to. And, and also, if we build habits around something, then it, it probably could become automatic. Maybe we don't have to really apply our brains. Yeah. And out. Correct. So habits are basically you outsourcing decision making. Hmm. So that nah, nicely put, yeah. <laughs> I like that. So you don't have to, uh, you don't have to think. I mean, if, supposing if chewing was not a habit, hmm. every morsel you'd have to think. Okay, food is in my mouth. Now what do I do? Okay, let me move my jaw. How annoying would that be? Absolutely. Right? Yeah, I think yeah. we we would have had more leaner people in the world then because <laughs> they wouldn't want to eat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which is why people love eating because you don't have to think about it. So right. similarly, if you want to enjoy going to the gym. You have to get to a stage where you don't have to think about it. Hmm. Like, hmm. Hai, right. There's no choice. Right. Hmm. So then you'll start enjoying it. Do you agree with that concept of this 21 day of doing something makes it a habit? I don't know. I don't think that works actually. So do you 21 think... days is, high, is, a, is arbitrary. It's not that you do it for 20 days and you stop and it's all shit. Or if you do it for 20 second days, you'll never stop it. But as a concept, the more number of times you do it, the more those neurons will connect. And your habits are basically just neurons connecting in a way that they haven't connected before. And so if you, when you do it for 42 days, it'll be even stronger. If you do it for 84 days, it'll be even stronger. You're establishing these new uh, neural pathways with every action. Okay, okay, okay. Hmm. The saying is that neurons that fire together, wire together. So you have to make those two neurons fire together. So the one neuron that say makes you brush your teeth and the second neuron that will say make you put on your shoes to go running. If you fire, if you make them fire together, but to say 21 days, you brush and you put on your shoes. Brush, put on your shoes. Brush, put on your shoes. One month later, yeah, the, the lag between brushing and putting on your shoes will not be much. Yeah, so it'll it, 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 it kind of becomes uh, associated behavior, you know, exactly. like the next one. Which is what a habit is. So once once a, a neuro pathway is established, and let's say you discontinue that act, the strength mm -hmm. of that depletes or it stays whatever yeah. was built? No, it does deplete. Okay. It, okay, it, okay. it may not go down to zero. So you will always be better off than when you started from scratch. But it does. Depend. But skills of cycling or, yeah. you know, swimming, which we may not be doing on a daily basis, but still, mm -hmm. if you were given a cycle, you know how to really go and pedal. But yeah. uh, so how, how is that staying for permanent? That is a skill that you, you have acquired forever. Correct. So those are procedural skills and how to do something is a procedural skill, which you can pick up. You may not have the same level of proficiency, right? So for example, if as a child, you learn to cycle so well that you could balance yourself on one wheel for five minutes, which means that you are a, basically a professional cyclist now, or a cycle artist. And then you don't cycle for the next 40 years. At the age of 50, when you pick up a cycle, you may not be able to do that. Okay. You're right. Correct. Yeah? Correct. But you'll still be able to cycle because certain skills you can still maintain. But even then, when you start cycling, you will wobble for a minute. 
Hmm. Because you are touching this whole machine after such a long gap, the after body is adapting to that old yeah. pattern. Yeah, yeah. That that's an interesting observation. Yeah, I think yeah. Many of us, when we like, it's maybe when you try your musical instrument after a long gap, maybe yeah. it takes a while to warm up for that. Yeah. yeah, but it's never as good as zero. So if you've learned it once, it's always going to be there. So the baseline changes uh, from where you're starting off. So exactly. So learn it and keep whatever it is. Just learn it and keep. Put in that. whatever two three months of really intense work learn it and then at least it's in the bank the next time you pick it up maybe you need to spend two days you you will be faster to reach at least a decent level compared to somebody exactly. who's starting from zero i want to ask a interesting question related to the difference between a, a man's brain and a woman's brain is, is there hmm. is there a difference biologically or the way they have been designed the it triggers very different thinking process for both of us is that true so or, to a very large extent no oh no okay no it's hyped out of proportion for to all so the thing is that we love to spot patterns and uh, we love to say that oh this is because this is a man or this is a woman we tend to attribute a lot of things but a lot of masculine behaviors or feminine behaviors are actually done by all genders and uh, it's just that we have that pattern recognition in place so the recent joke right of how people used to say that uh, men are too emotional uh, women are too emotional to be in politics and uh, we have seen in the last one year the whole how a lot of men in power have done so many things out of emotional breakdown and uh, you know being angry and just it's ridiculous but that being said there are definitely neurochemical and biological differences between men and women or uh, that cannot be swept away and that it does play a role in certain things like uh, level of empathy their ability to understand or the ability to communicate was the physical aspects are a whole other discussion you know muscle mass and bone density and all of that But the important thing, though, is that all these biological things are not more important than the training that you get while you are uh, alive. So there are things that you are born with. Sure, your genetics, right? The chromosomes in your body that you can't change. But that one thing does not decide your whole life immediately. because if that were true then what's the point of life if everything is decided so the beauty of human beings is that uh, your life experiences actually decide a lot of things right so it's not that men can't in making decisions or all, all those things that you say about men and women all of that is circumstantial that's what i'm trying to say so it's a large generalization of sorts me that oh yeah that. yeah okay okay absolutely coming to brain health what must one do to really optimize their brain like in term, i think that's a very wide <laughs> i know i mean i'm just thinking wow okay yeah. so so if i were to ask in this day and age matlab what can a guy do or a girl do to really keep their brain functioning optimally what are the few good practices that you would recommend uh, so the main thing to understand about the brain is that uh, it doesn't like dealing with a lot of threats so it will go to any lengths to avoid being threatened 
which is great, except that uh, it's also super sensitive. So it keeps spotting threats everywhere. Now you put these two things together and you are in for a tough ride. Because it's basically saying that I'll go into a house of horrors and I'm terrified of ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a good combination. And, right, uh, right, right. Okay. The brain is so good at spotting potential threats, and it's also so good at overreacting to them. So, to really optimize, when you talk about optimizing your brain, I think the way to think about it is optimizing your threat perception. Like, figure out what is really a threat and what is really not. And then the only way to do this is to be very mindful. Because if you keep getting threatened by every random conversation or every whatever, yeah, like then your brain is on this roller coaster of alarm signals. It is constantly setting off fire alarms. And then that's what leads to chronic anxiety and panic attacks, all of that. But that's not a good situation to be in. Because if you have, if you, every time the brain sets off the alarm, it is basically calling in the firemen. And uh, that increases your body temperature in, in a way that it increases your inflammation, it increases your stress levels. That can, if it goes on long enough, it increases the chance of you getting depression or all of that stuff. And it all starts with threat. So, when, so would, would you say that we are exposing today so much to, let's say, news? And, and news is filled with threats. So why, why the world is really suffering, why things are really bad. And I, I think there's a lot of sensationalism in news or in these medias and people who are actually sitting in the house, subjecting themselves to this kind of news constantly, they are actually inducing anxiousness just like by default, right? They are. And the sad thing is that news is a commodity like anything else. And the reason that they are selling sad news or sensational news is because of a simple reason. Like I said, the brain is very good at spotting threats. And so every time it spots a threat, it will give it its full attention. Mm, so it feeds on it almost. Yeah. And your attention is exactly what a TV channel would want. So if it only shows you happy news, your attention will soon wander away. So by definition, if somebody wants your attention, they will keep you terrified. Mm. So it's by design. It's by design, right? So, I mean, and it makes logical sense that, uh, you want to know what all is going wrong. And so if somebody wants to show you only the things that are going wrong in the world, there are enough and more things that are going wrong. Absolutely. There will you would only look be, for it. Yeah, yeah. There will always be things that are going wrong in the world. Right. Because why will you look at things that are going right in the world? What do I care? It's fine. Right? It's a tricky thing because on the one hand, you do want to be informed. But unfortunately, we are not trained to deal with the kind of threat levels that we are constantly being faced with. So if I were to talk about brain optimization, I would first talk about brain hygiene. So brain learn, hygiene, nice, yeah, nice, okay. So mm. Learn to deal with all the junk that is going into your brain. That's, that's, that's a really good, okay, good point. So first identify what to eliminate before even thinking about what to consume. Yeah, exactly. And figure out how much importance should you give because you cannot solve the world's problems, even though they are presented to you as if you should solve the world's problems. But you can't. Right? So you have to be very good at identifying what are you there for? What is your task? And why are you listening to this? 
how can this affect you and what can you do to change this yeah does it does it serve you actually that's a question we need to ask ourselves how important is it to constantly learn and challenge our minds as we get older do you think that's an important thing to do deliberately or should we just let it be and deal with life as it goes uh, so this is very subjective uh, I'm, I'm not here to prescribe like one way to live right 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 okay seven billion people and there are seven ways to live basically seven billion my personal belief is that curiosity is something that uh, children have and it makes life really beautiful because they are always interested in the possibilities of things what can this become so like a cupboard could be the entrance to narnia it's just imagination curiosity all of that that thing reduces uh, imagination why is that mainly because of again threat levels we start sensing a lot of uh, problems and uh, we just want to solve them as children we are not really threatened much we have people to look after us and uh, we are our brains are more receptive to new information the older we grow the harder we find it to take in new information because our uh, the previous information can sometimes come in the way of the new information which is called as bias okay okay and uh, so our neurons will stop making space for new information which is called as neuroplasticity when you when your neurons make space for new information when they when they connect in a different way just so that they can accommodate the new events in your life that is neuroplasticity so sita just just to ask a, a follow up question on that so there is physically there is a brain is changing actually when yeah. there is neuroplasticity when yeah. that is so happening okay physically as in not the outer structure but uh, internally seven, there are things yeah, the happening the wiring is changing yeah okay 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 so your brain is basically billions mm-hmm. of neurons connected in a particular way and if that connection changes the new chain but every time uh, th- th- there are like hundreds and thousands of brain cells dying also on a daily basis and yeah, they are also producing right yeah no so brain cells dying is it's not a very practical thing to talk about because it's there's nothing to be gained from it that is just the normal way of any body organ functioning it's not that we can do anything about that yeah 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 true yeah right except maybe sleep better because it just increases your overall brain health uh, okay it's like the hygiene of the you know it's just kind of cleaning it up and exactly okay yeah. okay there's something called as the glymphatic system which is uh, sub I mean, there's still a lot of research going on but sleep is supposed to be when all the trash gets taken but but so, the but the information in the cells are passed on to the other cells and it continues so there is nothing there's no loss of a memory or anything because of the oh so this is a very complex topic Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is very very complex because uh, the way that memory is stored and all that. Okay. Yeah, I don't think we'll even get into this. Okay, this cool, cool. Very, very okay. Complex. That's a different topic altogether. Okay. Yeah, another absolutely. discussion. Okay. Yes, yes. Okay, okay. So, wait, what are we talking about? So, we were talking about the importance of learning as we age and do you subscribe to that that like so you said, yeah. So, yeah. I personally do. I feel that it helps to keep your neuroplasticity alive. It helps to be curious. It helps to constantly be on the lookout for new things you can do because it, uh, it keeps you fluid and so it helps you adapt to new things much better so if there is a sudden unexpected thing like a pandemic and you are set in your ways you are used to doing these particular set of things every day now what do you do 
Yeah, because you're too rigid. You won't be able yeah. to change. And so many people who are above 50s, 60s, now when they come to the hospital and they have a lot of varied symptoms, it could be anything. A lot of them say that my problem started after the lockdowns. Before that, I was fine. I used to go down for a walk. I used to meet my friends. We used to play cards. We used to hang out. All that stopped. In one month, I'm sick. This, their whole body starts to suffer. So that speaks about how rigid they are internally about this Okay. Change. Okay. 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 I have few more questions and then I'm going (laughs) to wind up. What habits do you wish that you had started earlier in your life? Well, I wish I had started documenting stuff earlier, earlier on. When you say documenting, like in written or you're talking about, okay. It doesn't matter actually. Mm -hmm. Uh, The mode of, the mode of communication or the mode of documentation doesn't matter as much as actually doing it. So nowadays it's much easier to document because your Twitter feed is your documentation, Instagram is your documentation. It doesn't matter how you're documenting your ideas, mm. but document your ideas. Mm. You know, because uh, doc- ideas are a result of you being in that place at that time in that mood. Because you will not get that thought again, maybe. Yeah, not in that way. Okay. So ideas are the most precious resource in the world because it can quite possibly never ever happen again in history. Mm. Yeah, there's somebody like you being in that particular place in that situation. Of course, considering that a lot of human beings behave similarly, a similar idea can come about, which is why they say that all love poems have already been written in the 16th century itself. Because there's <laughs> only a finite number of ways in which you can experience love. But mm. still, there right. is always a subtle difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And considering how every human being on earth uh, for the large extent, have like two eyes, one nose, one mouth, two ears, and we still look so different. It's it's the subtle things that actually makes you you. Hmm. So, so document so, your ideas. So you wish that you would have started that earlier. Okay. Do you think when we think of documenting, we conduct our life very differently compared to if it was undocumented? We do. Yeah. We do. Right? Yeah. Because if you have to document things, you will give it more importance. You will pay attention to the details. And uh, you will look for peripheries. You look for peripheral things. I have this idea. Then what else can I connect to it? So that will actually allow you to extract more from that situation than you would have if you would have just said, oh, okay, that's pretty cool. And then moved on. You would have not picked up on it. Siddharth, what is your decision-making process when when you have to make a decision? That And we are in a times when we have too many options these days. Mm-hmm. It's not like we do not have options. We have too many options. And... When we have to make a decision for every option available, there are so many outcomes and possibility, right? So what is your decision-making process? How do you arrive at a decision? Like you said, I think uh, because we have unlimited options now, basically, it means you can do anything, which is a terrible thing. Because uh, chances are that you'll end up doing nothing. So I have sort of uh, reached a situation where I don't think of the decision as much as I think of who am I. Okay, interesting. Can you elaborate on that? And um, yeah, so if I have to if I have to decide something, the decision that I have to take is: Am I the sort of person to do this? So then you tap into your predefined set of characters. You're approaching more from the value system of you as a person than. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So mm. then it becomes a little easier mm. because 
you would want to do everything the truth is that nobody wants to miss out on anything oh that fear of missing out is always there yeah, yeah of course and that's normal that's fine so now how do you decide because you have limited time you have limited energy right so you have to decide something and uh, deciding something is the important bit what you decide is actually not as important so i just try to go with is this something that i would do and that also helps you constantly revisit your own identity that who are you absolutely yeah so and and, and that is also evolving so the, the right. siddharth who would have asked 2 years ago who am i is a very different siddharth uh, compared right. to today correct right. so now if i say uh, okay i want to go skydiving and 2 years ago i would ask myself to so start go skydiving yeah, probably not if i say yeah probably yes then that means oh i've evolved i've changed so from that perspective it does sound uh, it it can seem like a self obsession but then i feel that uh, your identity is decided one way or the other so either you decide your identity or it gets decided for you by accident without you knowing so you might as well have a say in what kind of person you are i know that you love reading books i wanted to ask you uh, what are some of the books that have uh, shaped your perspective about life many mm. any two or three books that stands out yeah uh, the simplest ones to recommend are uh, sapiens hmm are you all harari yes very interesting book talks about evolution talks about talks a little bit about neuroscience as well talks about mm. human behavior books like has been a very interesting book uh, i've read it a couple of times and trying to re- most recently i did this whole series where i try to interpret the bhagavad gita from an absolute neuroscientific perspective okay so no religion involved just let's see how much science we can draw out of this and it was a very interesting experience because mm. almost 70% of the verses made sense if you throw out all religious aspects and you mm. just look at it from an evolutionary perspective Mm-hmm. Almost seventy eighty percent of the verses make sense to me. So mm-hmm. I'm sure if somebody more knowledgeable than than me can make much more sense of it. And uh, so, and the another book that really inspired me was uh, an unorthodox one. It's called The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Okay, what is it about? It's like a humorous book on a man. Who, it's a fiction. It's a fictional book okay. about a okay. man who uh, uh, travels through space. Okay. And travels across the universe because the Earth is destroyed mm-hmm. because of a misunderstanding. Mm-hmm. And why you how... found it uh, fascinating? Like, what aspect of the book makes it interesting for so you? The book is interesting because uh, it starts off as a humorous book. So, in your first reading, it's just like, "Ha ha, how funny, how interesting." And in your fourth reading, you realize that uh, this book is addressing some of the most existential and philosophical questions of our lives. Uh, it talks about language it talks about the purpose of human life it talks about what is god it talks about communication important it's an insane book and to talk about all those things from a humorous perspective is yeah has been very interesting to i remember i think in one of the conversations i don't recollect with whom you were doing a youtube live where you mentioned it was important for you to finish bhagavad gita Uh, mm. I think it was during the lockdown that you wanted to do this yeah. why was it so important for you to complete that book Oh, just as a whim. Mm-hmm. Most of the things I do it because I get a whim. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like just like that. like a kick out of it. Let me just do it, like something like uh, that. Uh, yeah, because uh, I ask myself, like, okay, so is that the kind of person who would finish this? Uh, and if it's yes, then 
I better do it then. <laughs> what else can I do? Okay. Are there any interesting documentaries or videos or movies that you really enjoyed? Anything that comes to mind? So I do watch. Uh, I have seen some documentaries, but hmm. nothing that uh, I really want to recommend because, in general, all documentaries are just giving you knowledge and giving it in as exciting a way as they can. Mm-hmm. so i can't do uh, anything specifically which you remember or you, you enjoyed watching anything that mm-hmm. maybe i'm catching you suddenly maybe you can't recollect no, no. the one uh, movie that i think i would recommend everyone watch is a film called as the man from earth okay so it was on youtube for a long time i'm not sure if it's there yet but mm. i would definitely recommend everyone check it out mm. uh, it's called the man from earth and uh, it talks about it's a fictional story about evolution okay let's put it that way without giving any spoilers you're very fascinated with evolution right i think you really like to oh yeah yeah uh, of course see the history and uh, study how we evolved and all that yeah yeah everything mm-hmm. that we are doing is uh, because of that. every single thing every act that you do from morning till night is a result of 1 billion years of evolution <laughs> you can't really escape it you're killing the idea of originality i feel everything is like already like it's all predictable matlab no 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 i'm saying it's a result of mm-hmm. so every original thought you have mm-hmm. is a result of evolution okay so it took all these years for me yes. to arrive at this point to exactly. give exactly okay, which is okay. bit, which actually makes it uh, which actually makes every moment so precious and important mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. That that's all the effort that has gone into making this happen. <laughs> You're putting a, a a huge weight on our existence. Don't take it lightly, right? Exactly. <laughs> you better not. Okay. How does Siddhartha define success? What's your definition of success? Oh, this is uh, a very, very, very subjective. Yeah. Yeah. That's so it's your success. So, like when you say success, what's what's your definition? Yeah. So the problem is that success itself is very subjective, even in one's own life, because it's like happiness. So. you feel it when you get there and as, then as soon as you get there it's the it's just the way that we are wired uh, because we are not wired to be very happy in one place uh, so you might feel content i don't get me wrong so contentment satisfaction all that could be there but happiness or the feeling of oh i'm so successful requires a constant input like a constant reminder that you are successful you are so i think it's just about it's in the idea of are you learning are you a better version of yourself than you were yesterday if possible or one year ago or 10 years ago whatever parameter you want to keep it but are you a better version of yourself and then if you are then that's pretty successful right because every other parameter of success is pretty relative because if i say uh, uh i want to come first in a race and have successful that uh, is meaningless if uh, who you are competing with is if you are 20 and you are competing with 5 year olds right right it doesn't matter right the only parameter and suppose you come in third what are you going to take away from it? the mm. only parameter of comparison that is valid is are you faster than you were in the last race so that's your own growth that we are talking about right? correct everything mm-hmm. else is absolutely abstract mm-hmm. because you change the environment and your success becomes a failure so 
yeah. what kind of success is that right so this is a problem that a lot of people face when they go from one school to another for example mm-hmm. like if they go from a, a like a small town school to a big corporate school and they suddenly find out that uh, oh i used to be considered smart before and now i'm suddenly the dumbest person in class and right. now am i successful anymore it's, it's just it's a very definition of success mm-hmm. the question remains are you better than you were Hmm. and so when you see that way you feel uh, you are successful yeah in the sense that i feel like i know a lot more than i did hmm. last week hmm. um, like for example last week i didn't know how to properly edit a youtube video <laughs> and uh, this week i started learning this uh, software called as davinci resolve hmm. and uh, i figured out how to make a transition in a video i figured out how to crop a video i figured out how lighting should work when you are shooting a youtube video which is something mm. i never knew in 2017 or 18 or 19 right 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 yeah because i never needed to mm-hmm. but now i need to so i'm learning that okay yeah and this is not going to be success for anybody else because why should anybody else care right right mm. so that way i think success is something very very simple. what do you believe that other people think is crazy i think happiness is a scam oh <laughs> okay <laughs> I think you're calling for another discussion altogether. But seriously, you think it's a scam? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, is it one of those things you're saying for the sake of saying, or you really believe that? No, I really believe that. What is a scam? Hmm. What like, is a scam according so, to something which is not true? Yeah. So that's happening <laughs> in, in the sense that when you say something is not true, it means that what I feel is true, other people may not feel it. And if something is true now and it's not true two minutes later, then is that true? So that's what happiness is. It's you get a phone and you're happy, and then on the way back you stub your toe on a bed and you're unhappy. What's the point of that? It's I, I also get it because neuroscientifically it is just basically some chemicals hitting this part of the brain called as nucleus accumbens. It's really fine. The idea of uh, expending a lot of energy and effort on just feeling happy is i feel like that's an endless loop that you won't really get out of mm, the idea should not be and the funny thing is that as long as you're chasing happiness you're not going to get it as long as you start chasing anything else happiness just comes as a byproduct because that's what happiness is happiness is a byproduct it, it it's just never the thing and so it should never be the main goal of any I like that. That's a very interesting yeah. belief you hold, and not belief. I think it's strongly. It's an observation, right? I think. Yeah. yeah. So, so happiness is not something which you can hold it for long. It's not going to be lasting. So. It's not by yeah. definition. When were you ever always happy? It's just, <laughs> it's just not. It's not your fault. It's nobody's yeah, yeah. fault. It's just the way the brain is designed. Your right. your brain is not designed to be happy all the time, mm. and that's fine. So you the have these moment of, of peakness, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So the expectation of being happy—that is the actual scam. So we've been sold this idea that if you do this, you will be happy, and yeah. that is, so that's that... an advertising scheme. That's not true. <laughs> it never was. True. So there is not X amount of money or X amount no. of girls, or there is no X amount of something which will make me happy. Nothing. It's it's not possible. <laughs> uh, okay. So good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What is something very few people are talking about now, but everyone will be talking about it one year from now? I think virtual reality, probably, mm-hmm. and mm. in the probably virtual reality in the education space. Mm. I feel 
Okay, can can you tell more about it? What do you mean by virtual reality in the education space? So what's just there's a way we perceive reality. So it could be either so virtual or augmented, but using variables or to change our world view in a very literal sense, the way we view the world around us, and uh, its implications on everything from gaming to navigation to communication to teaching to cooking to everything yeah i think a year is a good time a year maybe two years okay that's a very interesting point i think yeah the way the rate at which technology is changing and people are adopting it i think this could happen maybe in a year's time yeah yeah i think yeah. it's inevitable mm -hmm. it's high time society technology found a new way of interacting because mobiles have been around for a long time the next big thing is uh, this mm -hmm. okay all right my last question what do you want people to remember about Siddharth, once Siddharth has uh -huh. left this planet. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, that's the concept of legacy, right? Right. Which one can believe or subscribe or not, it's fine. Like, sometimes I feel there was a point of having any legacy that we are, we are absolutely irrelevant in the whole scheme of evolution. What are we talking about legacy, I feel sometimes. Yeah. But no, I don't that, think that's that, one uh, way, but yeah. Yeah, I don't think that we are irrelevant. I think, I think we are as relevant as anything else is. If you say that you are irrelevant, you're saying everything is irrelevant. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I feel that sometimes. Yeah. So I think that we all have our role to play in this whole cosmic conversation, hmm. whatever it is. So hmm. you will do things that you feel like, you will say things you feel like. Maybe you'll have an impact and maybe you won't. Either way, the, the good thing is that you're not going to do any harm. Hmm. Because it's not possible. The, the system is too big. You're not <laughs> going to, you're not going to screw it up. Right, so don't right. worry about that. The worst you could be is, like at at worst, you will be meaningless. Hmm. And also not meaningless. That's not a, that's not the right. Insignificant, maybe. Insignificant or yeah, mostly harmless. You'll be harmless. So any impact you can have at all will be positive. Okay, cool. Okay, so we go with right. that. So let's hear. Your version of what do you want the world to remember you for? I would really love it if I can accelerate the change of our thinking towards a more scientifically, neuroscientifically oriented. Because I can't believe it's still 2021 and we are so caught up with discussing things that are coming from a primitive brain and talking about it, we have no idea why this is happening. Like, oh my god, why am I so angry? Oh my god, why did I have a panic attack? We should know why we have a panic attack. This information is out there. It's not uh, some top secret anymore. We have a very clear idea on why it happens. We have a good idea why anxiety happens. Why don't we know about it? So I would really love it if I could help out even one person in getting that knowledge out into the world. Because it just takes away the stress, you know of uh, not knowing is a knowing is an underrated weapon ah <laughs> that's a nice line you should read it Sid. it's been absolute fun having this conversation i really yeah, liked uh, the different areas we touched upon and you definitely have a mind to explore curiosities of various topics really enjoyed uh, this conversation i hope you enjoyed too as did i i, I hope to get a copy of this uh, whole recording 
if you can send it across just for me to listen to it and i'm yes. looking forward to listen to the podcast whenever it does come absolutely and uh, where can people find you or uh, what are the coordinates so they can search for me on instagram and on twitter i'm on both of these platforms as sid underscore warrior as w-a-r-i-e-r and um, my website is sidwarrior.com Awesome. And is there any uh, final message for the audience? Anything, any ask or any, anything that you want to share? Mm, well, just a quick reminder to everybody that neuroscience is beautiful and a lot of things that you might be going through and being troubled by is actually just your brain trying to find out a better way for you to live out. Mm. So don't be too harsh on your brain. Be kind to it. It's trying its best. <laughs> and uh, you have a prefrontal cortex use it as much as you can awesome <laughs> all right sid i think on that note let's call it a day thank you for your time and that was another episode <laughs> i'm glad you're listening to the episode and the podcast if you're really enjoying this do give it a review you do give it a rating i'd really love that and if you want to look into the show notes, uh, please go to my website, rarearth.com, where I have actually put all the description and all the links to the show notes of every episode. So do check it out. Thank you. Thank you.